morning, everyone. Let's stand together and turn to page 11 in our hymnals. Page 11. Oh, worship the King. Amen. Page 11 as we get started this morning. Father, we thank you once again for each one that is here this morning. We thank you for the privilege of being able to assemble together in your name in freedom. Lord, we come before you this morning and we admit our need and our lack of understanding and our inability to do anything that would be pleasing to you on our own. 
Lord, our prayer is for those that are here today that are unsaved, that today would be the day of surrender, that they would give their heart and life to you and be saved. Lord, our prayer is for those that have already made that decision, that today would be another step, another day of surrendering of our hearts and lives to you, that we may leave this place able to lift up your name and your voice higher. We pray that we would worship you, that we would be willing to humble ourselves and exalt your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now let's turn to page 458. 458. Draw me near. one more song 821 it's past the index 821 grace greater than our sin amen Praise, praise. 
dismissed to the junior church on the fourth marvelous infinite matchless grace freely bestowed on all who believe you that are longing to see his face will you this moment is Just before the message this morning, I asked Julia to bring us a song. Just listen closely to the words that it would prepare your heart for the message.
give my lips unto his praise. I will fix my eyes upon his gaze. All my worship, all that I adore, shall be his own. His also worthy to be blessed. I will worship his own righteousness. All the glory give to Jesus' name and his alone. All the glory give to Jesus Christ the Lord and him alone. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 10. And this song really speaks to the heart of the subject of the message this morning. We talk a lot about serving Christ, wanting to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, wanting to do something, laying up treasures in heaven, making our life count for eternity. And uh, those are all wonderful phrases. They're, they are things that we ought to strive to live every day. But sometimes we, we lose the practical application. We say, how in the world am I supposed to uh, live for Jesus Christ where I work? How, how do I make a difference here? And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look into the life of a family. Uh, there are two sisters here. And a brother, they're familiar to you, uh, Mary and her sister Martha and Lazarus. And, and uh, we're just going to kind of follow them through the Scriptures here this morning. God used them, and uh, they were really tools in God's hand to, to accomplish some incredible things. And so in Luke chapter 10 is our first introduction to these people. Uh, we'll find that Lazarus really isn't even mentioned here. Uh, we don't even know that he exists other than uh, the fact that later on we're going to be told that he is the brother of these two women. And uh, we're going to start reading in verse 38. It says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost not thou care? My sister hath left me to serve alone. Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, I, I really believe that there is a lot of undue criticism heaped upon poor Martha. In, in fact, I have a, uh, a book that gives the meaning of names, and, and it takes Martha's name, and it says, Rebellious One uh, is what the name Martha means. And, and I'm almost... I'm half inclined to believe that the reason why that name has been given that uh, is because of this passage of Scripture right here where Martha comes to the Lord and, 
and, and is almost in a, a rebuking tone of voice and says, don't you care that uh, I'm serving everybody all by myself and my sister's just sitting here doing nothing? How many of you have ever feel like Martha? Amen. I mean, there's a lot to do. And uh, yet, I, I want us to uh, look at this thing and look at the end of verse 38 here. It wasn't Mary that received Jesus into the house. Jesus wouldn't have been there, according to our Scripture, if it hadn't been for who? Martha. Uh, everywhere we see Martha, we're going to see that she's kind of the one in charge. And uh, we do not know anything about this family other than the few verses that we're going to cover in Scripture this morning. But uh, it really seems that we have uh, three people here, two sisters. Uh, apparently, uh, Martha was the oldest and uh, she was in charge. Uh, sure seems to be. I mean, she's the one that received Jesus into the house. She went out and she made sure. And before we heap too much scorn upon poor Martha here, let, let's realize something, that Martha was also a woman of faith. But she just got backwards. Uh, we have a saying, she got a grit in her crawl, uh, a pebble in her shoe. Uh, she, she got a little irritated about a few things here. How many of you have ever made a big meal for a lot of people? A really special meal. I mean, if Jesus were in your house, wouldn't you make a special meal? I mean, there'd be, uh, everything would be done right. And I mean, there would be a lot of care. And, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's a lot of work to prepare a big meal. It really is. And uh, Martha was busy. She didn't want the roast to be halfway done. She wanted to be just right there. I don't know if they had pasta, but she didn't want it to be mushy. Amen. She wanted to, uh, they say, al dente or something like that, right? Uh, just perfect. And, and the salad wasn't going to be uh, all of, uh, uh, wilted and everything. I mean, there was a lot of work involved to this meal. And Martha was putting on this meal. And here we have Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. Now, Sometimes we use Mary's uh, behavior here to make excuses for ourselves so that we don't have to do anything. Oh, I'm sitting at Jesus' feet. I'm just learning of Him. I was reading a book on churches and, and how they grow, and he said there's, there's two kind of uh, people in, in the church. There's, there's the waterers and the sponges. He said, there's the people that take what they get and they go out and they give it to other people. And he said, and then there's the other people just sit and soak it up. And uh, then he goes on to talk about if you leave a sponge sit on the counter too long, it gets smelly and all of that kind of stuff because you got to squeeze it out. Nobody likes that part, do they? And we use Mary's behavior here as an excuse not to do anything. I'm not going to be like Martha. I'm not going to be so busy doing things and nothing. I'm not going to do anything.
All right, let's see if I can control myself a little better here. And um, so here we have Mary and Martha. Now, Jesus makes a statement here, and we want to keep it in context. He said there's one thing that is needful. That one thing that is needful is to learn from Jesus. Amen. He said that's not going to be taken away from Mary. He says, we're not going to take away from her learning about me and who I am because that is the one needful thing. Now, we're going to go over here in just a minute to John chapter 11 and we're going to find the test comes up. And uh, I believe Mary failed the test. I really do. Martha passed the test. But... You see, Jesus is a forgiving God, and Mary's going to, she's going to get in on this thing too. But what I want us to do is I just want us to take some time and look at the lives of these three people here and how God used them. Now, number one, you can get so involved trying to do something for Jesus that you ignore Jesus. That's where Martha was right here. Not a good place to be, my friend. You can get so wrapped up in trying to learn about Jesus that you don't get anything done. Is that any better? No. Neither one is right. But they're going to get this thing put together before the end. So let's go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Now there was an, a, a close relationship here with Mary and Martha and Jesus. And John chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold him whom thou lovest, is sick. Now, John had an interesting way of putting things. I mean, if you read this right here, read the first, uh, the, verse, the first verse here, you would think that Lazarus lived in the same town but wasn't even related to Mary and Martha. But he was. And because you read the second verse and it says that his brother, he was Mary's brother, and then you read verse 3, therefore his sisters... I mean, the connection is being made here. But John, you will never find John's name mentioned in his own book other than when he talks about... Uh, I, uh, he, he always calls himself... I'm sorry, you find John, when he refers to himself, he usually refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. The more intimate the relationship the less John uses their names. And so there's a, there's a relationship here. We come down to, um, uh, to verse 5. It says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, Jesus loved these people. He would stop often 
and be with him. Luke chapter 10 is somewhere about a year old when we get to John chapter 11. Jesus had been invited into this house and they sent the message to him. The only message they sent was from, this is from Mary and Martha in Bethany, he whom thou lovest, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now, from that message, Jesus was supposed to know it was Lazarus. And by the way, he knew who exactly who it was talking about. These were special people. But Jesus had some different plans for them. Some plans that they were not going to like. He had some designs upon these three people that he wanted to use them in a certain way to bring special glory and special praise and worship to his person. But they were going to have to go through some dark waters to get that done. They, in their mind, as we'll read through the text here in John chapter 11, Lazarus is sick. We'll send to Jesus. Jesus will come. Lazarus will be better. Right? Is that what happened? No. That's not what happened. They had it all figured out. They said, now listen, Jesus loves us. He's our special friend, certainly. He's not going to let anything bad happen to his friend Lazarus. He is sick. We're going to send to Jesus and here's what it says. Verse 6. When he had therefore, when he heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now, if you really needed something, if you really needed someone to come and to help you, you dial 911 and it takes two days for you to get a response back. There'd be trouble, wouldn't there? I mean, you'd hire a lawyer if you're still alive. Uh, you, you'd find somebody. You, you would say, listen, you better sue those people with your dying breath. They didn't come and they didn't help me when they said... I mean, the idea of being concerned and caring for a person is when someone calls for help, you show up. Amen? And Jesus stayed there for two days, kept doing what he was doing. Now, that could easily be interpreted as a total unconcern for the events that was going on. Was Jesus unconcerned with what was going on in the city of Bethany in the house of Lazarus and Mary and Martha? Was he unconcerned? Absolutely not. He knew exactly what was going on. But in order for his plan to be carried out, it was going to take a little time for him to get there. In fact, by the time he gets there, Lazarus is going to be in the grave for four days. 
he's going to be dead for four days. The Jewish way of burial was when a person died, when, when you knew they were dead. It was hours from the time that that person was pronounced dead till the time that they were buried. They were taken out of the home, they were put into the grave, and they were kept there. And there was a period of time, according to tradition, as best as we can know, up to three days after that person had died, where the ones who were grieving, the closest members of that family, would actually open the tomb and take precious spices in there and, and good-smelling ointments and things and, and uh, would uh, uh, weep and mourn. And then on the third day, that tomb would be sealed and it, and it just wouldn't be opened. It would be corrupt. It would be, I mean, by that time, things were happening. You, don't, you just don't want to go there. And uh, when Jesus got there, it says that he had been in the grave for four days. Now let's come let's skip down here to verse twenty. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him, fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that period says an awful lot right there. Martha said, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, if you ask God, God will give anything to you. And Martha goes on to confess that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That he is God come in the flesh. But Mary just simply says, if you had been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Why was Jesus troubled? He was troubled because there was no hope 
in the heart and the mind of these people who supposedly knew him so well. There was no hope in the minds of the Jews. We're going to hear them echoing Mary's words, saying, well, man, if Jesus had showed up, certainly he could have healed Lazarus. But the idea was, who can do anything now? And it says in verse 34, And he said, Where have you laid him? Then said they, Lord, come and see. Shortest verse in all your Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now, I want you to understand, Jesus did not do the American way of weeping. That's where you let one tear run down one side of your face and you stand there and we call that... That was not the Jewish tradition. That was not a Jewish idea of weeping. Look at verse 36. It says, Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. They said, This man must have really cared about Lazarus because of the way that he was weeping. Now, there were certain people in the Jewish tradition and in the religion, they were professional weepers. The more noise you had at the funeral, the more care and the more respect you had for the person who had died. That, that was just the way. I mean, uh, if you remember the story of the widow at Nain, the whole city had gathered around this poor widow to scream and holler and weep and mourn before God to make her feel better uh, about the, the passing of her son. It was the only thing they knew to do. That, that was the way they did it. If, if they wanted to honor someone, he made a lot of noise. Jesus made enough noise and commotion in his weeping that even the Pharisees were amazed. Wow, look at how much this man loved him. And look at their response. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? No one, no one had any idea what Jesus was about to do. Because no one there except the Lord Jesus understood what was going on and that God had a plan. How many of us have ever been in a place where we just felt like God gave up on us? That God was putting us through some things and we just didn't understand what was going on. He, uh, let me tell you, God knows what's going on. Sometimes His purposes are just a little different than ours, my friend. Sometimes... Uh, shall we say sometimes he knows a little better than we do? Could we say that this morning? Or should we say every time he knows a little better than we do? Amen? There is never a time where Jesus doesn't know what's going on. There is never a time when he is not keeping track. And there is never a time when he's fumbling through his index cards trying to figure out what he's going to do. 
He already knows. Amen. He's already got it put together. And yet Jesus is groaning in himself. One of these days, I keep threatening, one of these days I want to preach a whole sermon on Jesus wept. But it hasn't come yet. You keep praying for me. Maybe it will come out sooner or later. But verse 39, Jesus says, Take ye away the stone. Now who speaks up? Martha. Martha speaks up again. She's the family matriarch, we might say. She's the one in charge. I mean, she just takes care of this group. And, and we don't know why. They've reached their whole life. In fact, Lazarus has gotten sick and died. Uh, we do not know what age they were. Some people believe that they were all about Jesus' age. I don't know. They could have been elderly. We, we just have no idea how old or how young these people were. But Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for four days. She's saying, Lord, you can't, you can't open that tomb. It's been too long. We, we don't want to be reminded. We, we do not want the, the unpleasant that's going to follow here. Now, I, I don't know I was, how many of you have ever smelled that smell. But if you have, you'll never forget it. In fact, you're thinking about it right now if you have because it's something that it just cuts through you like a knife. And when they opened that tomb, let me tell you, that smell came out because he had been in there for four days. Jesus said unto her, saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Jesus just looked at Martha and said, Martha, if you'll just do what I say. If you'll believe in me, you're going to see the glory of God. Martha said, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm getting out of the way. Let me tell you something. That's faith, my friend. That is faith on a level that you and I better hope we never have to experience. Amen? We will one day, when we leave this existence and take upon that glorified body that Jesus has waiting for us. But Martha gave the word and the servants rolled away that door, that stone that had sealed the tomb. Those who had been there and visited say that it was a crypt, it was a grave that was dug down into the ground, into solid rock, that there were 33 steps down into the place where Lazarus' body would have been laid. Verse 41, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou <coughs> hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, 
See, Jesus had a purpose in this whole thing. It was the people that were standing there. He said, Because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they might believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Someone said if he had just cried, come forth, every dead person in the world would have rose to the, uh, from their grave. And I believe that's true because one of these days he's going to say it. And every saved person, those which are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up with them in the air. Those that are dead are going to come out of the graves. It's going to be an incredible day. But Jesus called his name, and it said, Lazarus, come forth. And when, and he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Now, let me ask you, how in the world did he come forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes? I mean, he is wrapped up like a mummy. Uh, he wasn't walking up those 33 steps bound hand and foot, let me tell you. Uh, most of us, if you just took your hands and, and handcuffed them behind your back, you could not walk down a set of stairs without somebody helping you, let alone up a set of stairs. Now, don't try that because you, you're gonna, you'll fall down the stairs, I promise you, unless you're a person of ex exceeding coordination and balance. Uh, it's just not something, let alone bound hand and foot. How in the world did he get up all those steps? Well, when Jesus says something, it just happens. Amen. Uh, you do not have a choice but to obey. That's something we need to remember. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, let him go. And many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him, but some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. It's one of the reasons why I believe Jesus groaned in the Spirit, because he, was gonna, he knew there were some people there that even though they were going to see the greatest miracle Jesus would perform outside his own resurrection, that they would run to the Pharisees. And you read the rest of John chapter 11, it is consumed with the plotting session about how they might destroy Jesus Christ. Now, it looks like to me, and you can disagree if you want, that Mary failed this test. She was, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother hadn't died, period. Lazarus, he didn't have much to do with this. Amen? He died. Jesus brought him back to life. Uh, it's interesting that Jesus told others to take the grave clothes off Lazarus because they were unclean. Jesus was willing to touch unclean people because his power would make them clean. But he wasn't going to touch unclean grave clothes because they couldn't be made clean. They had to be destroyed. So other people got that job. Amen. Just an interesting little thing there to keep. Now let's turn over uh, to John chapter 12. 
It says, Then six days, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus, which was which was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Now we're going to stop here because we're going to get Mary's story out of the Gospel of Mark in just a few minutes. But I want to talk about Lazarus for a minute. Because if we come down here to verse 9, it says, Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. They came not only for Jesus' sake, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Now, Lazarus here was in no small danger himself. The same people who were plotting to murder Jesus had Lazarus on the list. He said, because so many of our people are no longer our people. They believe on Jesus and it's all Lazarus' fault. Now, let me ask you a question. What did Lazarus do? Hmm? I mean, he got sick and he died. He didn't have much to say about it after that. But he was willing to allow himself to be put on display. That's a hard thing to do, amen? How would you like to walk down the street and everybody stare at you? That was the one that was dead. I don't know about you, but I'm going to go shake his hand. I want to see how alive he really is. I see him walking, but I... I, I want to make sure his hand is warm and not cold. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on. And poor old Lazarus, everywhere he went, everybody wanted to see him and talk to him and touch him and do things. And Lazarus said, well, if that's my job, I'll do it for Jesus' sake. I like what it says about Martha here. It says two words. Martha served. You know, that, that was Martha's gift. That was her thing to do. Do you think she complained about serving at this meal? Hmm? Don't think so. Think she got that thing straightened out, don't you? I mean, stop and think about what a meal would be like if no one was willing to serve. We're trying to have a senior's banquet. If you're retirement age, we want to invite you. If you have friends that are of that age, we would like to invite them to, to a dinner uh, here at the church. We have one of our own, a, a trained chef, is going to cook a fabulous meal. And, I mean, it is going to be a very, very special time. And we are going to give the teens an opportunity to serve. But what kind of a meal would it be if no one wanted to cook the food and no one wanted to serve the food and everybody just came expecting a meal and nothing happened, what would it be like? It'd be a pretty dismal time, wouldn't it? You know, there's a lot of serving that goes on in living for Jesus. Amen? 
There's a lot of little things that nobody cares about and nobody knows about. But if it doesn't get done, boy, does it make a mess. How many glad the bathrooms are clean? Isn't that nice? Somebody had to clean those things. Praise God, it wasn't me. Amen? But that's a place of service. Somebody had to do that. And they did it. Martha served. Lazarus was willing to be put on display and be picked and prodded and questioned and talked to and, and all of the things that curious minds would do. I mean, he was, a, he was as much a spectacle as at any freak show that's ever been. I mean, people wanted to see Lazarus. And not only that... They were plotting to take Lazarus out just like they were plotting to take Jesus out because he was a real problem to them. They couldn't explain Lazarus away. They didn't know how Jesus pulled this one off. I mean, he was dead. There were Jews from Jerusalem, the scribes and the Pharisees, because Bethany was close, that had actually helped bury Lazarus. So they knew he was dead. He said, our guys wouldn't have helped with that. And yet some people refuse to believe. Hard to imagine, is it not? Now let's turn to Mark chapter 14. And we're going to get Mary's story. We're going to start in verse 3. It says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. Now, before you... Judge, 300 pennies, a penny was a day's wages. 300 days' wages. Uh, that's more than a year's salary. Because you, if you work five days a week, five times 52 is 270, I believe, something like that. Is that right? Yeah, no. 225 plus, well, whatever. It's a lot. It's nowhere near 300. 300 days wages. Where in the world did Mary get that from? If you get paid $100 a day, what is that, $30,000? That raised some eyebrows. A lot of money. And it says that she broke that and poured it on his head. There were some people there that murmured against that. Jesus said in verse 6, Let her be alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye may, 
And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And if we read in, in the book of John where we just came from, John chapter 12 and on in Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 14, where we are right now, we'll find out that this was the event, this was the turning point in the life of one Judas who had now had enough of Jesus and was going to go to the chief priest and try to figure out how that he might get a little bit for betraying the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what we have here is we have Mary worshiping Jesus. And the Bible says that wherever this gospel is preached, wherever the story of Jesus is preached, what Mary did is going to be spoken of for memorial of her, that she is going to be uh, venerated because of the great act of worship which she did on this day at this dinner. And I want to remind you of something. This spikenard was... Uh, not only was it exceeding valuable, it was an incredible, I mean, smelling substance. It would have, I mean, there were people choking on the smell of this spikenard. It was so sweet. It, it, it had a smell. I've never smelled spikenard. I don't know what it's like. I've just read in the books and talked to those people that have done that. But uh, I'll tell you, it was uh, the most powerful perfume that they knew of. It was one of the few things that when a person died, they could put in the tomb and it would erase the smell of the decaying body until that uh, spikenard was evaporated and, and dried up and no good anymore. I mean, you're talking about something. The next day, as Jesus rode the little donkey through the eastern gate of Jerusalem, anyone that got within 10 or 20 feet smelled the spikenard. I dare say that later that week, when the chief priest and the Pharisees late at night, when they thought no one was looking, began to slap him around and abuse him and pull the beard out of his face and beat him and curse him. The person that tied the blindfold. Oh, what is that on my hands? It was still there. The next day when the Roman soldiers beat him, it, that's the way Spikenard was. It was still there. It's not something that just washed off if you took a bath. And uh, I don't believe Jesus took any trouble to wash it off. He wanted it there. Because even in his death was an overriding savor of sweetness and beauty. Because he wasn't dying for himself. He was dying for us.
And this act of worship that Mary perpetrated upon Jesus was the greatest act of worship we have recorded in the Bible. It's not just because it was costly. It's not just because the odor would have lasted even until his burial. It's because of what was going on in the heart of Mary. And this morning, we've looked at three people. Lazarus really didn't have a whole lot to do with this story, did he? But let me ask you a question. Where would this story be without Lazarus? I mean, if he hadn't been willing to get sick and die and get resurrected and put himself on display. And of course, Lazarus didn't have a whole lot of choice in all that, now did he? But God used him. Amen? How about Martha? You know, Martha's the one that invited Jesus into the house. Martha's the one that got upset when Jesus was letting her serve alone because it's a lot of work to serve. But on the night of the supper, Martha was serving. There was no complaints that were recorded in Scripture. Amen. Where would the supper have been without Martha's service? Have you ever been to a big dinner where somebody tried to put something on that had no idea what they were doing? You ever been there? I mean, there was lots of food, but none of it was very good. I mean, there was lots of things around, but, you know, you were making sure that you drank only out of one side of the cup because somebody's fingerprint was on the other side. I don't like that stuff. But Martha was serving. I'll bet you, even though the Bible doesn't give us much detail, that was an incredible dinner. What do you think? Because Martha was doing what she was born to do. What she was able to do. And Mary did what she was able to do. We don't know much about Mary. There, there had to be some reason these three were living together as brothers and sisters and never getting married, never having a family, never stretching out one from another. We, we don't know if maybe Martha, maybe Mary and, and Lazarus were not all that healthy and poor old Martha was had spent her life devoted to taking care of her brother and sister. We don't know any of those things. We just don't know. And yet Jesus chose this family and He said, I'm going to use them to get glory and honor and worship to Myself and My name. Because of Lazarus, many of the religious Jewish leaders in the city of Jerusalem, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, looked at that chief priest and said, He's got something you don't, buddy. I'm going to Jesus. And they left. It was because of Lazarus. There were many at that dinner that had heard the story 
In fact, you wonder where the multitude came on Sunday morning as Jesus rode that little donkey and, and her baby and her fool down, through, down that mountainside. It was because of this dinner in Bethany that the whole crowd was excited and where they came from. I mean, there wasn't 25 people here, my friends. There were probably hundreds of people here who left this place saying, man, I saw Lazarus. I know he was dead for four days and Jesus rose him again. And you won't believe what Mary did there. And, and, and uh, you can still smell the spikenard if you get close enough to Jesus. And the whole city of Jerusalem was disturbed the next day as the crowd came down the mountain from Bethany into the city of Jerusalem. Actually, up, I'm sorry. They came up that trail from Bethany right into the city of Jerusalem. And I just had one question. Where are we going to fit into this? We talk about serving Jesus. Amen? And the thing I get out of the story of these three people is just one simple sentence. It's serve the Lord with what you have and who you are. Now remember, God loves you so much, He'll only take you as you are. But He's not going to let you stay that way, amen? He's going to change you. But He's going to change you for His good and His glory, not yours. Jesus is not a feel-good pill. He is not here to give you your dreams and your wishes and your desires. You can see how Jesus interposed His dreams, His wishes, and His desires in the lives of these three individuals who gave literally everything they were and who they were are to worship and to bring praise and glory to the name of Jesus Christ. You could not have this story that Mary's gift would have been absolutely, not absolutely, but it would, it would not have made sense. It would not have been what it was if we didn't know the story of Lazarus and all that went before it. And Martha, she served. Mary brought the spikenard and worshipped. Lazarus was willing to be put on display. And my question this morning is, what do you have? And who are you? And are you willing to let Jesus use you like He did Martha and Mary and Lazarus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning. And Lord, we just ask that You would allow us to look at these lives. You put them in Your Word for a reason. And Lord, that we would be willing and we would be content and we would desire even to find our place in bringing worship to your name.
we ask, Lord, that there would not be a one of us that would withhold ourselves and our lives from you. That we would be willing to surrender and let you use us to bring glory to your name. Lord, if our place is just willing to be put on display as Lazarus, or maybe to work and to serve and not to complain and to understand that our place is just as important, as the one who did the great act of worship. Lord, we ask that you would let us worship you and bring glory to your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, if you come and lead us in the hymn of invitation, page number 507. The song just simply asks a question. It says, would you live for Jesus and be always pure and true? It says, let him have his way with thee. And if you're willing to do that today, would you just step out and spend some time at an old-fashioned altar? If you're here today and you're not saved and you'd like to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, come and get our attention up at the front. We'll have somebody take you to a private place and open this book called the Bible and show you how you can know that that Savior is yours. But if you're holding on to something today, would you just give it up? And let God do His work. As we sing, will you come? Would you live for Jesus and be always pure and good? Would you walk with Him within the narrow road? Would you have Him bear your burden, carry on your home? Let Him have His way. let the piano continue to play if you need to come. We'll make room up at the front.
God's people said, you may be seated. I want to take just a moment, singles, uh, Friday night will be our singles meeting. Next Tuesday, a week from Tuesday, is our seniors uh, Valentine's banquet, and uh, this is something we want to do special for uh, those in our church that are uh, retirement age or above, and we want to invite you to be here. Um, I've heard just a little bit about what's on the menu, but I'd almost be willing to retire just so I could show up. But uh, maybe they'll give me some leftovers. But uh, I'll tell you, looking like it's going to be a good time, and the teens are practicing. Um, they're going to be singing some songs and putting on a little program. And, and uh, <clears throat> in fact, uh, teens, we need you just for a few moments after the service in the chapel back here to go over our songs and practice just a little bit more. So parents, if you could just give us about five minutes or so uh, with them just to run over again and keep that fresh in their mind, uh, we would appreciate that. Uh, we have a men's uh, meeting coming up, and uh, I was hoping to take a few minutes this morning and show about a uh, eight to ten minute uh, video presentation, but uh, uh, we're having computer difficulties here, and so we're going to do that next Sunday morning. Uh, but every man in the church that is able will leave, uh, unless we have an overwhelming desire to change this, will leave Thursday night after church. Uh, the date is March 8th, I believe, and uh, then we'll come back Saturday evening. Uh, hopefully we'll be home before 9 o'clock Saturday night. Uh, there will be some cost involved. Uh, we'll have uh, two nights in a hotel, uh, but we're going to work everything we can to uh, make that as cheap as possible. And uh, we uh, do not let the cost uh, be uh, a reason not to come. But um, we'll be trying to do that next Sunday morning. Uh, don't forget about the regular services and, and things. Uh, read the, the letter from Anita in the bulletin. It's really a special uh, letter there. And uh, let's have our ushers come at this time. We'll receive this morning's offering. Let us give as unto the Lord.
Brother Alvin, would you ask God to bless the offering today? Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Brown's come and lead us. 705, if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of Sweet. 